0: Vanessa Guillen is dead, and people are upset. Rightfully so. Yeah, it was heinous. Such an outpouring of grief, um, just everywhere you turn. Frustration. Yeah. Anger. I was. I was extremely upset. Yeah. You know, and I've been. I've been following this case since before the general public. Yeah. Since day. Day two, yep. when I was uh, alerted to it, and I, personally speaking, I had I was hoping she had gone a wall. Yeah, um, and she was safe somewhere. Yep, watching all this play out, and just, just the anger and despair and the pit of your stomach at the fellow responsible. You are just.
1: Ugh. I I, I, Man, you can't put it into words. I know. Unfortunately, you have to try. And on on Monday this week, our leaders stood in front of the Central Texas media and actually the world media Mm -hmm. and had to uh, confirm that the remains found near the Leon River were indeed Vanessa's. Here's what they had to say.
2: Friends and members of the media, thank you for making the trip and joining us here during this tough time. I appreciate your ongoing assistance. Our heartfelt condolences go out to the family and friends of Specialist Vanessa Guillen. Our thoughts and prayers are with them during this difficult time. I lack the words to make sense of this tragic loss. Vanessa was part of our Army family and her loss accordingly is felt throughout the Army and throughout the world. Sadly, I stand here to report that the search for Specialist Vanessa Guillen has resulted in the very outcome that I had prayed it would not have from the very beginning. The Armed Forces Forensic Examiner has determined through DNA analysis that the remains found near the Leon River are in fact those of Vanessa. The Guillen family was notified of this yesterday, which in turn allows me to come forward and share this information with you today publicly. We're now confronted with the most, the aftermath, of one of the most heinous acts I can imagine. While searching from, for Vanessa, we had continued to investigate the circumstances that led to her disappearance. Each action was taken with the deliberate hope that we would find her alive and unharmed and be able to return her to her family and friends. There are no words that convey the sense of loss to her family, her friends, and her fellow soldiers that I feel during this tremendously difficult time. We all feel her loss, the loss of a vibrant young woman who bravely volunteered to serve her country. The loss of a talented soldier, the loss of a loving family member, and the loss of a friend with a bright future ahead of her. All of us here, as part of Vanessa's army family, know that our pain pales in comparison to that being endured by the Guillen family. And I ask you to please join us in remembering her family in prayer and comfort them in this time of incredible grief. When a person of Vanessa's caliber and character is ripped away, I don't think there's any closure to something like that. But I know there is a tomorrow, and that's an opportunity to do what's right for what Vanessa stood for and what she meant to us. Recognizing this, the Army will continue to move forward in the following ways. First and foremost, we'll honor Vanessa and her memory as part of our Army. She is part of our history and she will not be forgotten. Second, we'll assist the US District Attorney Western Division as they take the lead in investigating and prosecuting those associated with Vanessa's murder. Third, we will complete the ongoing investigation in sexual harassment and take actions against those findings. And please know that every person who raises their right hand to serve their family and their country in uniform deserves to be safe and treated with dignity and respect. To the victims of sexual harassment and assault, we hear you, we believe you, and I encourage you to come forward. The Army will not stop its efforts to eradicate sexual harassment and sexual assault until it no longer exists in our formations because that's the Army standard. And then fourth, I'll continue to seek external assistance and review to ensure any shortcomings indicated during this troubling time are thoroughly identified and addressed as appropriate. But these actions, these larger actions will come in due course. Right here, right now at this moment, it's about Vanessa Guillen. It's about what she stood for. It's about what she meant to us. I'm going to turn the podium over to Colonel Ralph Overland, Vanessa Guillen's Regimental Commander, to share a few thoughts about exactly how she affected all of us here in her Army family and our near-term wear ahead. Thank you,
3: Colonel Overland. I am here today uh, with the heaviest of hearts and sadness. Our thoughts and prayers remain with Specialist Vanessa Guillen's family, her friends, and fellow soldiers as we grieve together in this tragedy. Our loss of Vanessa Guillen has devastated us all and left a hole in our formation. Her fellow troopers in the 3rd Cavalry Regiment and units across Fort Hood remain concerned and committed to recovering Vanessa since the day she disappeared. Thousands have searched dedicated to finding our soldier because we never quit and we never leave a fallen comrade. I humbly would like to take a moment to honor our fallen soldier, Specialist Vanessa Guillen. Vanessa Guillen was a warrior, highly trained and proficient in her duties. She embodied all the qualities that the American people expect and rely on our soldiers to be to defend our country. She was strong, courageous, and caring. Vanessa Guillen was a dedicated American soldier. Specialist Vanessa Guillen was an outstanding soldier and highly valued member of the 3rd Cavalry Regiment. I spoke with many of her fellow soldiers from units across the regiment who served with her and who have helped search since her disappearance. I could see the intense sadness in their faces And hear it in their voices. They miss their friend and spoke of her qualities as a person and a professional soldier. Her fellow soldiers all described Vanessa as very caring, dedicated to her profession, and an expert in her craft. She always went above and beyond to accomplish the mission and ensure that her teammates were successful. Our duty now is to honor Specialist Vanessa Guillen, her service to our country, and care for the Guillen family throughout these difficult times. There's no greater way for a soldier to render that honor than by assisting family members in the aftermath of their loss. Nothing is more vital than this solemn covenant the Army holds with soldiers and families. When we learned of Vanessa's death, The 3rd Cavalry Regiment was dedicated to ensuring the Guillen family was informed in the most dignified and respectful manner. As we move forward, we'll remain steadfast in our care, compassion, and assistance to the Guillen family with the utmost dignity and respect. We honor Specialist Vanessa Guillen and her service to our country. We will never forget her. We keep Vanessa Guillen in our hearts and the Guillen family in our thoughts and prayers. Thank you.
1: No words. What more can you say? Rest in
0: peace. We will have, uh, we'll be back with the, the rest of the show
3: after this. A social distancing tip.
4: Hood's great big podcast.
1: Drink it up. This one's for you. It's been a
0: month. The following is not an advertisement. Dave, let's talk about this coffee.
1: Yeah, chicory. <laughs> I can't give the brand, but it's that place that makes beignets in New Orleans.
0: It is aggressive to it say the least. It is aggressive, isn't it? It is, and the more you drink it, the more aggressive it gets. It's like getting repeatedly punched in the face.
1: So you're not feeling the chicory. I am. I
0: didn't say I didn't enjoy. There's a little S and M in me when it comes to coffee. Well,
1: that's why they serve it with, like, you know, powdered sugary donutty things.
0: Oh, well, I don't have any. I uh, No, Sorry. I but didn't bring how can that. How could that work? We're a bunch of army civilians. How do we not have powdery sugary donut <laughs> anything? things?
1: Not to mention we're both fighting the Battle of the Bulge.
0: That's right. And <laughs> losing. The, Thank uh, you, COVID. Mm-hmm. But no, that coffee is something. Yeah, I was is. just thinking about that. I, it, it feels like it needs to be cut with something. Well,
1: we were talking in the break room, you know what, a couple weeks ago, and you said you'd never had it. No, I hadn't. So now you have.
0: Made out of freshly ground chickadees. Chicory. Oh,
1: it's tree bark. Of <laughs> well, some that, kind. That's improves
0: some, it. Uh, so, uh, is, uh, so is so is aspirin. The,
1: the story I think behind mm-hmm. this, at least what I remember, is that during the Civil War, okay, there was a severe coffee shortage in the South during the war years. Mm-hmm. So, in New Orleans, they figured out they could brew coffee from tree bark or coffee like or they subs- thought they could coffee like substance. So. Uh-huh. That's kind of a throwback to back when they didn't even think about it. There's That's like mostly coffee, some chicory. Okay. Can you imagine uh, drinking straight chicory coffee? Exp-
0: that explains the Confederacy right there. <laughs> drinking this messes with your mind.
1: Uh, yeah, but I guess that's, how, that's where all that came from. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, that's something, and I appreciate you sharing it with me.
1: Hey, you're welcome.
0: And it's in the break room, so you'll be continuing to share it with me <laughs> going forward.
1: Hey, I got some other stuff that's espresso. I know, but
0: why not live on the edge, live dangerously?
1: I had to make it for you.
0: Sort of like that's, you know, that's everyday life in America now, living on the edge, living dangerously. Going to the store now, you're on the edge. (sighs) Wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We have to now in Texas. Yes. In Bell County.
1: In Bell County. In
0: our county, folks, they said we have to have a mask now when we go into stores. Now, I bet some of you are out there going, hey, but that's everyday life for me. Right. I remember I took a trip to Austin. So Austin's not in our county. It's two four, counties. Yeah, It's yeah. forty-five minutes from here. Yeah, and I here you did not need masks in stores. Right. I was just taken aback because every store I went into, I'd go reach for it, and there'd be a sign that said, "Do not come in without a mask," and I have to walk back to the car. Right. Grab a mask, put it on. Uh, obviously, I. I've got a learning curve there because after the first two, I'm still not bringing a mask. What? This one too?
1: The thing about masks with me, mm. and I wear them, but I wear glasses. You don't. No. And I put the mask on, you're wearing it properly. It steams up my glasses. Yeah. It drives me insane. I've done that with, with sunglasses. I've had it steamed up. Yeah, and it's like... You know, and it's hot enough around here, don't you think?
0: It's very warm, yes. And then
1: you got to throw something else up there.
0: Well, you know what would help? Hmm. Weather. With the heat. With the heat. Well, it is Texas. Some rain. Some snow. Not much. No. Yeah. Snowed in Colorado the other day. I saw a video of it.
1: You know, you do have a habit of bringing up the weather.
0: I do. I talk about weather a and lot. And we actually oh.
1: have reason to bring up the weather for We do. Change. We
0: have some weather people with us. Yes, we do.
1: We have nope. two weather forecasters mm-hmm. from the 3rd Weather Squadron, Air Force Staff Sergeant Gigi Sylvester. Hi, Gigi.
0: You can talk into <laughs> the
1: yeah, It's okay. To, it's
4: okay I was waiting speak. for my prom. Hi, Hello. Gigi. That, that
1: was your prom. That was your cue. And B.J. Ortner also a weather forecaster. Hi, BJ. Good morning. Thank you for coming on, guys. Mm -hmm. It's our pleasure. Texas weather. What's up with that?
0: It's my line. (laughs) I know, I stole it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Hey, feel free to dive in. It is The show is
0: yours. I'm going to go get more coffee. You talk about the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Let me know when you're done.
1: No, really. Um, Tell me a little bit about what a third weather squadron does um for the for for hood well third weather squadron is is organized to support the army
5: here that's our whole job is to support the army both in garrison and deployed while well, deployed in, in in any place in the world mm-hmm. so the weather forecasters here the air force weather forecasters like sergeant sylvester she's trained uh as a forecaster but she's also trained in various army tactics so she deploys with the army uh the Army needs weather. They don't have their own weather forecasters. The Air Force has done it since the end of World War II. The Army Air Corps, the Air Force came into existence. The right. Army said that we'll continue to let the Air Force do weather force. And the Army does veterinarian service for the Air Force. So it's kind of a trade-off there, okay. perhaps. That's okay. weird. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strange. You uh, get the clouds, I'll take the dogs. The dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so the, anyway, so we support the Army, uh, both like I said, in garrison and in deployed an environment. So uh I spent uh, about 28 years in the Air Force as a mm-hmm. weather forecaster. Uh, about eight of those were with the, an Army unit; the others with the Air Force. Uh, Sergeant Sylvester, uh, she's only been here about two years, and she's already deployed once, if not twice. Uh, so um, they uh, they stay busy, but they also, like I said, they have to learn both weather forecasting skills and then also the tactical skills to be able to survive and operate with the Army.
1: Right.
0: Wow. Now, before the show, you said you were in Afghanistan. Is that where that deployment came from? Yes. So what does weather look like in Afghanistan? You <laughs> lean forward, <laughs> you furrow your brow. Yeah, it's going to be hot. So- it's going to be hot, everybody, hot! Snow
1: at elevation.
4: Honestly, that's what kept me through the entire time. But um, so... Like uh b j was saying, one of the biggest things for us is that we we try to integrate a lot into our army units, so in order for us to be here, we have to be um, trained in certain tactical things to integrate is so that,
0: is that because the Army gives you crap
4: um honestly, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So looking at the criteria that we have and we have to do, some of our Army units have said that we are overqualified to support them because a lot of things we do, they're looking at us like, why are you trained in this? We don't need you to do anything other than weather. But that's what makes us a SWOS or a staff weather officer. That's what we do. We integrate it into units. So if we have to do the basic tactical skills in order to support them, that's what, that's what we're going to do forcefully.
0: Air forcefully? <laughs> air forcefully air
4: force
1: air forcefully <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah you go. see what i did there
1: so you can not only tell me what's going to happen tomorrow in tomorrow's forecast but you can shoot straight right
4: so i had to pause there did you see the pause <laughs> 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 so and that's certain, a work yes. in progress <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could roll around in dirt and i could tell you all types of weather stuff so go. yeah there you go pretty fun
1: so I mean, everybody's perception out there, I think even in anybody that served in the military, Mm
0: -hmm. is that the Air Force or a a what? No, no, no,
1: no. I'm talking about about weather people. Oh, okay. Right? You know, it's kind of like this podcast. You know, 50% of the time they're right 50% of the time.
0: I think on a good day.
1: (laughs) So for the layman out there, explain how do you come up with a seven day forecast or. Or, or wh- what do you do? How do you do it? And the flip side to all that is what is the real difference between mostly sunny and partly cloudy? <laughs> well,
5: a uh, lot of it, a lot of it that the, uh, you know, a lot of folks in, w- watch TV. you got yeah. your app on your phone. People don't realize, uh, especially for aviation, um, they need a little bit more than just partly cloudy, mostly sunny. Right. Or the high today is going to be 56 <laughs> degrees. Mm-hmm. They need to know the clouds, they need to know the altitude those are clouds at. Ceiling, How much of yeah. those clouds, not only the bases of the clouds or the ceiling, but they also need this in some cases, depending on the operation, they may need the top of those clouds. Are right. they gonna be in clear air? Uh, for example, the MC twelves here on Fort Hood, they operate at a certain altitude. They want to know, am I going to be in clouds or not? Because they don't want clouds. They want to be out of the clouds. Right. So, how do you forecast that? That's a challenge. We use all the tools available to us that everybody else has available to them. A lot of it's web pages mm-hmm. uh, today, a lot of the information is available there, and almost everything is on the internet. We use a mixture of civilian weather sites, military weather sites, uh, when I say civilian commercial, but also academic. Uh, but uh, we do have a lot of military sites also that are restricted that we can get to to get weather. So there's always a flow of weather. But much like the civilian forecasters you see on TV, we look at the models and we try to interpret them the best you can. The models have gotten really good over the past number of years. But that's why we're still there, and Sergeant Sylvester and I are still there, because we still have to interpret them. I just can't give a pilot a model and say, here's the model, interpret it. we got to try to interpret it because it's not always right. So we use our experience to try to tailor that a little bit specifically to the mission. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things people don't realize the winds, uh, there's a lot of impacts and we track that. So then when Sergeant Sylvester talks about training, that's some of our training, we got to learn what are the impacts to the army? What affects an Apache? What affects a UH uh, 60? Mm -hmm. What affects a CH 47? They're all different. An MC 12, not only the aircraft, but how does the pilot fly it? What's the mission? They go in low level, high level. What are they doing? What's the operation that they're doing? All those things we got to take in consideration. We just don't dump weather over a <laughs> pilot's head. <laughs> you know, We have to be able to tailor that specifically to the mission. That's one of the hardest things a lot of the young forecasters, and when she talks about integration, that's what they have to learn. They got to be able to integrate to the unit, understand how is the pilot going to fly that aircraft, you know, what's the different operations she's going to do in the missions so she can tailor the weather and make sure, because a pilot's got a lot on his mind, Uh you know, especially a combat pilot. (laughs) Think about it. Apache's going to go in. He's worrying about logistics. He's worrying about uh, friendly fire, enemy fire, all these different things, fuel um and so in navigation weather is just a small piece of that so sure. what we want to do is dummy it down as much as possible to understand you know the army likes colors green red and yellow right <laughs> go, Absolutely. go and no go <laughs> right and that's a lot what we try to do to make it short and sweet and that's a lot different than what you watch on tv uh-huh. and watch the local tv the, reporter the,
1: there is something you mentioned models and i th- i've heard this in, in, by weathermen here in Central Texas on TV. So I'm going to ask the question of the, our weather weather people. They were talking about a European model and a U.S. model. And between the two, well, it seems two... like they look vastly different. But I, the question for me is explain that, and why would we even look at a European model when we're in Texas? Well, I think it's because the
0: European runs on 220.
1: Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. You want to take that one, sir?
4: I can. I cool. can. So um, one of the things that we take in, we have multiple models like we were talking about before, yeah. right? So in order to get a demographic or a char- kind of characterize what's going on in the environment, you have to use multiple models in order to make sense out of what's going on. Some of the models are that we use, it's going to be very specific to certain types of weather phenomena or certain types like for your winds, one may over forecast, one may under forecast. Mm-hmm. And then you have the others that may kind of put it into perspective what's going on some of the models if we have lists called like a low or a low pressure system stuff like that Mm -hmm. they don't take into consideration maybe how fast it's moving how slow it's moving so it under forecasts certain things and may over forecast which impacts our ability to properly say hey this is what's going on so what we do is we use kind of we combine them in a way to make sense a properly a proper assessment of what's going on in the environment Mm -hmm. so that's why we use multiple models in order to do so so when you have them pick one specific model or whatever the case is, that means that that model is doing a better job at characterizing the environment than the other one. So whatever they choose, like we have, uh, we used to use, uh, what, the NAM, I think, initially. That's a type of model. So we have the NAM, the GFS, the WERF. And is there anything else? What, we well,
1: there's have, Lots of yeah, acronyms multiple. there. Yeah. yeah so, like, oh, okay, but yeah. all right.
4: I, I say all that to say like some of those models don't do very well, especially here in Texas. So we have to take into consideration elevations and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then you have your model of choice. So whichever one does a great job of where you're at. So just because we're using maybe a European model, mm-hmm. not necessarily for the fact that it's in Europe or wherever. That's where it's- the satellite is, right?
1: <laughs> is that <laughs> why they call it that? Because I'm just – that's why they call it that. That's where the satellite is that they're using or –
5: For the models? Yeah. Uh, Satellite data is incorporated into the models, but it's only one small piece. There's also all types of uh, surface observations, Uh surface data, upper air data from aircraft. A lot of stuff is fed into the models. That's why you see uh, differences in models. And and she's right on point. Uh, We have – there's dozens and dozens of models today. There's even models that blend all the models together. It's called an ensemble uh, together. But like when I first came in forecasting, I came in in the late seventies, we had two models and uh, one was wrong and one was right. Uh, (laughs) I mean, that was basically it. But today, because of computer power and the internet, we have access to to just dozens and dozens of different models. Why do we still get
1: it wrong so often? Because here's this front front coming, you know, you see it on the tracker and, and it's, the weatherman says it's gonna be here and we're gonna get hit with tons of rain in two days. Have you? And then it flies off north and have you ever goes swam. Near have near you ever
5: swam in a lake or the ocean? Yep. Sure. And you hit Absolutely. cold spots, warm no. spots
1: in the current. Uh-huh. That's what
5: the atmosphere it's is. I'm the, making yes. those <laughs> <spots myself. laughs> or who's ever upstream from you. But the atmosphere is a fluid. It's always moving, it's constantly changing. So and the models are mathematics, and they've gotten really, really good. But there's still mother nature. Uh-huh. Mother nature still is, there's a lot we don't know. Yeah. So the models are not perfect. And that's why with the uh, change in all the different models, as Sergeant Sylvester said, it's awesome because we can, Figure out which one is kind of doing best or characterizing the atmosphere here best and handling the situation. And that's why you see or hear on TV, hey, the European model is doing a little better right now or the American model. Mm-hmm. And we that we have – just those are just different models that we have. And they have weaknesses and strengths. Some work better maybe under a certain environment mm-hmm. and a certain area, just as, as she said. So. The-
0: you're really bursting my bubble here, because <laughs> how I imagined it was: here's the fighter pilot walking look, out look to the plane. your plan. finger. <laughs> he's he's inside the, the flight ops thing, and he's he's almost to the door. And here here you are, weatherman. Put out the hand. Stop. <laughs> it's raining. Take an umbrella.
4: Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. In Afghanistan we had a weather rock and a lot of a lot of units have weather rocks, right? Mm-hmm. They try to play on that whole Air Forcey thing like <laughs> this is how you guys forecast if the rock is wet, <laughs> it's raining and stuff like that. <laughs> sure. So, when I do a forecast and I push it out because of course like uh Mr. Ordner stated I have to integrate. I have to know what my units want to do. So, forecasting for a unit that's in the talk with you. They're like, so what does the weather rock say? I'm like, the weather rock, is gonna, it's going to be wet. It's so, raining. So what so. you're saying <laughs> is the Army takes a look at it, and they're like,
0: okay, let's see, we can bring the Air Force uh, weather person with us or the rock.
4: Yes, and they pick us. They pick us. Oh, well, that's good. The rock doesn't smile. The rock doesn't have a personality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there's a, he's
0: got a, quite a fan base. Some people said he might even be president.
4: <gasps> really? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Had to go there, didn't you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, we're talking about The Rock. True. Mm.
2: <laughs> now
0: I can put it in the uh, description, and we'll have more people listen.
1: Yeah. Probably. He meant Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. okay. Oh, All right. I know. All I have right. to this stop. I
0: got hot. I rock. got hot. <laughs> <laughs> but you talked about how the models... Um, Have a problem here in Texas. Some of the models. Why? Why is that? What is not necessarily here in
5: Texas, but anywhere they can. It's just a lot of it has to do with the Southern Plains, the Central Plains uh florida uh, of course yeah and then of course you got you know there's very few places in the world you have a north south mountain range Uh too uh the rockies out there and that causes Mm -hmm. a huge change to the weather so i I wouldn't say the models have a hard time it's just that under certain weather conditions models do real well certain patterns summertime it's hard the models have a hard time in the summer i think we all do here yeah well the models texas the models are dynamic uh they like change well in the summertime it doesn't really change that much in the southern half of the country mm-hmm. sure so what ends up doing is the atmosphere is kind of like a puddle and so it kind of grows and morphs uh and changes and until you get something that's really contrast a strong cold front a contrast with temperature or moisture the models don't do real great mm-hmm. so because uh, they want change that's what they look for in the mathematical equation yep. but <laughs> uh but they still they so Short term, they're good, maybe not long term, maybe not so much this time of year.
0: Well, I think so. everybody feels that way. You know, you look at the 14 day forecast <laughs> and you're looking next week, oh, it's going to be hot next week. But no. everybody in the back of their minds, like, oh, yeah, sure it is. I'll, I'll see what it is the day before we get there.
1: No, we're really far inland. So, I mean, hurricanes don't really affect us directly, but they do affect military operations mm-hmm. when the weather gets up this way, right?
5: Absolutely. And and that's the big thing that we have to track for the Corps a lot of times. Once we start, uh, you know, and we work a lot with National Hurricane Center and the Regional Air Force Regional Center that's at Barksdale mm-hmm. Air Force Base. And we track these storms because, yeah, they may not impact Fort Hood. A lot of times we'll get uh, heavy rain. That's our big problem, flooding. Sure. Uh, so that's a, an issue, of course, with the training areas and stuff. But the big thing is the 3rd Corps ships a lot of stuff out of uh, the ports, uh, Beaumont and Corpus and mm-hmm. uh, um, so uh, Galveston. So what happens is that can delay. Uh, any any assets that are going down range. Sure. So that's important. So they want to know, hey, you know, what's this storm going to do to the ports? And that's when she talks about integration, a lot of it, that's what they end up doing. They come over here and they talk to the core and they let them know what that stuff's doing.
0: So how did you guys get into weather? <laughs> yeah. Well, Hold on, somebody's calling me. Uh-oh. uh-oh. Somebody's calling me. Hold on. Hello? Hello? Oh, it's I got a pharmacy order update. That's not as exciting as normal.
1: <laughs> ah, we're gonna let that one go. Yeah, we'll let
0: that one go. Normally, when we get a call, I just put them through and put them right on the air. But uh, <laughs> oh my not, gosh, not, <laughs> you're on the air. I'm not. am pharmacy. Yeah, I'm not putting robocall from <laughs> yeah, pharmacy. Yeah, robocall. Yeah, no. But now, how did you guys? Uh, how did you guys get to be uh, forecasters? How did that come to take
4: Oh, so let's see. Okay, I'm. I'm not. I'm not old old, but I'm I'm kinda no, yeah, I'm how, old. To, how old are you? I'm about to be thirty.
0: Ooh, that's so old. that's so
1: cute,
4: Jeez. isn't it? <laughs> so in um, two thousand eight When I got to college, um, Mm -hmm. initially I started looking into the Air Force and find out what jobs would work. Um, I ran track and field at the time. And so what it was, what the intent was, was for me to actually start a weather degree, like, or not start, but to transition into a weather degree. However, Mm -hmm. at the time I had to either give up my track scholarship or, um, or join Air Force as a weather forecaster, but enlisted. See, I'm still enlisted, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. nothing, wrong with that. <laughs> nothing at all. We're so, both enlisted. So. Well, I love it. I actually truly do. But when I graduated in 2012, at the time they said that um, they didn't have any spots for OTS and stuff like that. It wasn't competitive enough because, of course, I switched and I did a criminal justice degree. Right. Who knows? Whatever. <laughs> but, um, at the time, they were like, hey, what job would you, would you want? Because, you know, we're smart, so we get into a lot of things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, weather was for, was one of the things, and then intel. And I thought, of course, a lot of things that people think about weather forecasters is that they don't know what they're doing. Right. Why not use the knowledge that I learned in school, regardless of the grade, to figure out how to be a good forecaster? And then one of the things I also saw was we were given the opportunity to do like special operations or Army support. So my mm-hmm. goal was always to find a way to merge weather And support and use what I did before. Here I am, eight years later, doing exactly what. Well, kind of wanted.
0: So, did you crack the code for forecasters? Are are they now viewed differently? No. Okay.
4: No, because every here's the thing. A lot of people here better than
0: the
1: weather rock. Well, barely. Sometimes (laughs) I'm like, oh, weather rock's always (laughs) accurate.
4: It is true. So you want to know something when people say, and this is a big stipulation, so Air Force weather, civilian weather, I know sometimes it's a little, it's a little different, but when you hear 20% or 30%, one of the things that I learned in some situations, it's not 20% of the time or 30% of the time, it is actually like 30% of the area, or 20% of the area. Right, so, that's Yeah, so you see you'll get rain in Temple, but you won't get rain in Cove, or rain in Fort Hood, but you won't get... So people are like, oh, well, she said 30%. I don't say 30%, but you hear the civilian sector, oh, 30% of the... For us... We like um what is the storm prediction center when they do things and they categorize the area they're like twenty percent of that square or rectangle mm-hmm. or a sketchy area. Sure. So I learned that. So hmm <laughs> Right. <laughs> So now think about that when you see that it's not raining
0: where right, well, you're well, at. <laughs> yeah, well, what, about, what about you, sir? And, that,
5: and that's one of the big differences between the civilian and the military is the pilots don't want, hey, you're going to have 30% chance of thunderstorms along your route. He wants to know, am I or am I not? <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's a lot of things. <laughs> where am I sun. getting rain done? Exactly. He wants to know exactly, and if it is, and uh, how much it's there. And so that's a that's a huge challenge and a big difference between civilian but I, uh, I came in, uh, I, was, I entered the Air Force in 1978, uh, was a weather forecaster. I had a uh, family uh, relative that was a weather forecaster in the Air Force. Oh. Kind of talked it up, gave me some something. I enjoyed it. I spent 28 years in doing it, retired, and then uh, became a civilian. Uh, lucked out to work right here at uh, Fort Hood. So I've been here now for 15 years as a civilian, basically doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've enjoyed it. It's a, good, uh, it's a good run. And I enjoy the pilots. That's what I have the most fun with is the aviation pilots and aviation the sure. Army pilots are great because I enjoy them more than Air Force pilots, oh. only because the Army pilots <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> well, the Army, the Army cares a little bit more. They'll give you a hard time, but a lot of times it's not personal. They're just, that's just, you know, they yell.
1: That's just the way it works. Yeah, We got to bust your, no, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. Never mind.
5: But but they uh, they they, uh, they respect the weather because they, they have to fly in it. They operate in it. They know it. They don't like it. So they do rely on us. I mean, they're probably the two most hated people, of course, are always the intel officer and the uh, SWO. Mm. You know, if they're not yelling at the intel guy, they're yelling at the SWO. I mean, both our jobs are great. We get paid to lie. I mean, that's the, you know, <laughs> I mean, what an awesome job
0: it is. Finally comes so, up. Not- so I I got a question for you. You ever at home watching the news or TV or something and you see the weather forecast and you're like, <laughs> ah! Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't think so.
4: <laughs> yes. So one of the things with us is that daily. I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I wouldn't say daily. There are actually sometimes where I walk, out, so I'm like, "What? This is this is a thing." But um, I've woken up, or I've heard the news, and I'm like, "Wait a minute. Who did this?" And then I go and I look up. I you know try to do my own little weather thing, or I call the um, the weather flight, and I'm like, "Hey, are you thinking this?" I'm like, "Hey, there's some se-. like I, we do that. We mm-hmm. have a really hard time." With allowing other people to tell us what's going so on, so is there? The
0: there's weather. a there's a rivalry, maybe. Do you ever find yourself like, come out, your tires have been slashed? <laughs> <laughs>
4: no, no. Mother man! I actually get jealous because I realize that they're getting paid more than I am to That's say true. the same stuff. So I'm like, what makes you qualified? We're doing the same stuff, and then I realize, okay, they might be they might be close. <laughs> there's,
0: a, there's a pecking order there, if you'll notice, like morning show, and then. Uh, Evening news and you move up Mm -hmm. in the, the weather. Eventually you get to weather channel, you get to chase things. Now, you're, now instead of lying to a uh, little area, you get to lie to the entire country. The whole
4: country. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, my God, that sounds right. Because one of the things that you got to realize about a weather person, if we sound confident, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. We could yeah. tell you, hey, it's going to rain tomorrow. And I have a smile and I'm confident. And you're like, yeah, that sounds right. So the next day, you're like, what happens? So <laughs> in, a, in
0: a way, you guys are just one degree away from politician. Yes. Ow. I said, well, I mean, but you get in front media. of a large group of people, you make assurances.
1: No, but I mean, on the flip side, I re, you know, I, I joined the Army in 79, so I'm a year behind you probably. Uh, when I was a kid, you did, they didn't have to have certified meteorologists to do what? the weather. Yeah. When I was a kid, yeah. and they had a puppet on the, <laughs> on the ABC affiliate in Milwaukee give the weather. In
0: a way, they still do.
1: Well, you know. That's
0: interesting. In Japan, they also did not have certified meteorologists. Right. You had some channels that did. So, this is somebody that went to college. Mm -hmm. They know what they're talking about. You could tell who these people are. Mm -hmm. The other channels had beautiful faces doing it. And we're talking like (laughs) college age, like, you know, 18, 19 year old people who you could tell had no clue as to what they were talking about. They would just be standing outside with an umbrella. It's raining.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you for the update. It all so, depends on the market. Mm-hmm, uh, what right. market
5: you in? You know, in the Central Plains here, we all know weather can be extremely violent. Oh yeah, uh, but you know, if you're maybe in Oregon or some place like that, maybe the weather is a relatively benign. Uh, You may have somebody that's not, uh, or at least in the, like you said, the pecking order, maybe somebody Mm -hmm. on the morning show that may not be a meteorologist, but maybe you kind of want to know where the tornado is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, especially in Oklahoma, you'll see most of the stations, they really advertise Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, we have certified AMS meteorologists, you know, that type of thing.
0: You guys ever chase the weather?
4: I haven't, but I have a friend who does. He does really? it all the time. He's a um, he's like a hurricane hunter, storm spotter in a way. Mm-hmm. And he goes out if he sees a storm, because ah. he's also retired in the Air Force. He, I think he was a major at the time. So he served he served a lot, like 21, 22 years or something mm-hmm. like that. 20, I don't know. But um, when he retired, he also decided he's going to be a weather civilian as well or like a systems um, civilian. And then on his off time... He'll go out, and he'll track storms, storm severe chasing. storms, and go chase them. So he,
0: so he chases tornadoes and stuff mm-hmm. like that? So Whatever. it was a TBI, that's why he got out? Is, <laughs> <laughs> I don't
4: know. He'll tell you if you invite him. No, I'm from,
0: <laughs> I'm from Kansas, and I mean, when a tornado came, it was all about the the storm chasers. Mm-hmm. You'd tune in on the radio back when that existed, sure. and uh, Yeah that I'm out here at the corner. of the center <laughs> center, I can see it's coming right at me. It's coming. Out. If I, if I go off
2: the air, I mean, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, and uh, that was, uh, that's how it used to be.
4: I think I'm still a certified erst. Certified storm chaser. How, wait, how do you
0: got to be certified or like, to chase, so, or chase after a Or a, a storm,
4: sorry, storm spotter. So how do you got to be You have to go like through a, a class. It's an entire class. You go through, um, so I think it was a National Weather Service. They have like certain courses and you can go through it. So at my prior unit, they highly encourage. See that? Highly Can encourage. anyone Should take
0: these classes? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to take these classes. Wow. Wait, I now be a you can't show us up. I want to be a certified <laughs> storm spotter.
4: But you can help us. So if you go through that class, anyone that wants your to. Car. <laughs> you can if we have a storm happen, you mm-hmm. can call us and you know, tell us what that hail looks hey, like. Hey, hey, I'm letting you know it's raining
0: <laughs> where I am. It's right. Re- wait, you stop. Never mind. Right. <laughs>
4: Is it two inches? Is it two inches? <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So eight years in the business and forever in the business. You find it rewarding. Is it fun?
4: So <laughs>
1: the way that was a, did you that see that? I'll just kind of go. Hmm.
4: <laughs> Initially in my career, I didn't see it as as rewarding as it is now. So one of the big things or one of the reasons why I wanted to do army support was because mm-hmm. you can integrate into the units. Right. So like Mr. Ordner said, all the stuff that we do, it's not really serving a purpose unless you know, it's relevance to the unit. So the importance for me came when I realized, Hey,
1: get to see. Yeah.
4: So when you find that purpose and the why, it doesn't have to be every day. But now in my prior unit, I felt the reward. And so it's exciting now, even though I don't do weather as often, because as you go up a little bit or become more seasoned, as they call it, Mm -hmm. you don't do it as much. But I still support the units. And so it's more important to me now. And maybe I can do this for a longer period of time. (laughs) But it's just the purpose. I think that matters the most to me. And so it's now become more wel- relevant.
5: Well,
0: that's that's before. very military. The longer you stay in and the better you get <laughs> at your job, the less they let you do that job.
4: Mm, yeah.
1: <laughs> what about you, BJ?
5: Yeah. And as I said earlier, I, it's uh, you know pretty much what Sergeant Sylvester said. The, uh, I love the Army pilots. I mean, our job, it, it's kind of interesting. Our job is not to tell the Army they can't fly. Mm-hmm. Our job yeah. is to try to get them to c- accomplish the mission. So, yeah, maybe you can't fly during this time period but you can fly a couple hours later or a couple hours earlier or maybe you can't go on this route you know you can't go from here to Amarillo today because we're going to see some severe thunderstorms but hey how about going from here to Shreveport today and so when the army then changes that they listen to you And they change that mission and they get the mission accomplished because what's at the end of the day is can they get their training in so they're qualified. That's what makes me feel good. Or like I've had a lot of times we've had air crews when they deploy and they fly 30 helicopters from here to NTC and back. And a lot of times due to weather and maintenance, Mm -hmm. uh, they're spread across uh, the country. And to get them home and get them home safe, to me, is a great accomplishment. You know, I feel and the pilot tells you that when the pilot says, hey, BJ, we really appreciate that forecast. You were spot on. That was perfect. We couldn't get down that valley, but we went in that, you know, we took another valley. And that's at the end of the day. Like she said, now you got some purpose. Now, hey, I feel good. Got that crew home. Uh, You know, that's that's a neat thing. Uh, just a real quick story. When I had a, a, an air crew one time, there was a, a, they had to deploy to Washington, D.C., one of our um, fixed-wing aircraft. And the gentleman there, the warrant officer, his wife was having like their third baby. Aww. And he they were delayed due to weather. And so they made it, uh, they, they ended up spending like a day or two extra in the D.C. area. And they finally had to alter the route because the weather was just crappy across the country. Sure. And they made it down to the southeast and they finally made it back to Texas here. And I was doing everything I could to get this guy home. Right. And he did. And, you know, really nothing I didn't do, but they were able to make it home eventually. And he was there and, and uh, his wife gave birth like that evening or the next day or something. Like that. It was really kind of cool. Nice. But it was just one of those neat stories that, hey, and I asked one of the crew members the next day, hey, did Mr. Mr. So-and-so make it home? Yep, he did. And uh, he was really happy. Uh, so that, you know, sometimes you, hey, that's a good, it's a good story too. Yeah,
0: cool. a real sense of accomplishment. I mean, you're making a difference and you really are making a difference. Yeah. To uh, to a lot of people, not just pilots. I mean, to to a whole. So what? (laughs) What? You're laughing.
4: (laughs) What? No, I thought about. um, Some people actually call us to ask if they could garden. That's happened really before. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Are they old people? No, they're spouses.
0: Oh, that makes sense.
4: They've called and say, "Hey, I'm trying to have like a little tea party. Is it is it going to rain? I'm like, wait, what? We'll get some strange phone calls. <laughs> that's why I laughed. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay.
0: Hey, but you are making a difference. Whether it's fighting the fight or drinking the tea, you're you're making a difference <laughs> on on multiple levels out there. Well, I want to thank you guys for for stopping in and, and talking with us about the weather. We you, we had actually had you guys on our must have list for quite a long time on this. So it was uh, it was great to finally. Uh, that was our fault. I didn't actually contact you and, and get you in.
1: Oh, COVID so, kind of had something to yeah, do with all COVID, of that.
0: Yeah, COVID. Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah, really, thanks for coming by.
4: Thanks for having us. Well, you're oh, welcome.
0: Man. And uh, we'll be back right after this with more fun and exciting stuff uh, like you've never seen.
1: Well, because it's a podcast, you can't see anything. Yeah, that's true. Okay.
0: All right. We'll be back. All right. Yeah, don't think too much. Here he is. Jeff Snarkworthy. Thank you, yeah. If you've got a sudden, unexpected fever, you might have coronavirus. (laughs) If you've traveled from or through a state where coronavirus is prevalent, you might have coronavirus. (laughs) If that fever is, if it's accompanied by a feeling of Shortness of breath or or difficulty breathing, you might have coronavirus!
4: (laughs) Coronavirus is steadily spreading across not only the United States, but the world. Being aware of the signs and symptoms of coronavirus helps keep us all safe. If you suspect that you may have been infected with the virus, call 254 553 6612. That's the Fort Hood Health Hotline, 254-553-6612.
0: If you've been around some place where people were infected, if you got that fever, shortness of breath, and a cough, you might have coronavirus.
4: <laughs> coronavirus. It's no laughing matter.
0: Hello?
1: Lord Hood's Great Big Podcast. Now available at those fancy schmancy streaming sites. That last segment was actually pre-recorded before you went on vacation. That is
0: true. That is true. That's why there's a tonal shift uh, between the the beginning of the show, which is not pre-recorded
1: now. Well, now, yeah.
0: Now. Um, And then that that segment where I'm talking about Dave's aggressive coffee. Well, yeah. uh, Because it actually happened. I, golly. Uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday, I went on vacation for a week. I hadn't taken a vacation in forever. So tell me about it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we originally were going to go from Texas to Colorado and then see the Grand Canyon, do Vegas, and come back, uh, but COVID. Yeah, no. So Vegas, we, no. we decided to do a vacation, we being my wife and I. Yes. Uh, decided to do a, a vacation trying to be away from people. Right. So open spaces mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Every time we had to stop and get gas, there was a ritual we went through. We had the uh, disinfectant wipes. So right. I, I approached the uh, the gas station with the wipe, and I would wipe down the pump mm-hmm. and use it over my fingers. I pushed the buttons and all that. right? And uh, then when I got in the car, I had to disinfect myself with hand gel and, and sure. all that stuff. So, I mean, we were very, very safe about it. Masks everywhere. Most of the places we went in, you had to have a mask right uh, to enter. But I was absolutely shocked at how many people were out vacationing. Really? Just, yeah. Uh, the hotel.
1: Yeah, but you were going to the... Wide open spaces, right? We were. So what were what were the touristy places that you? Okay, see?
0: well, we started in Durango, Colorado, and we went on the Durango Silverton Railroad, which did not take us to Silverton. Is uh, that a steam engine? Yeah, it is. Well, wow. you can do a steam engine or diesel. Okay. Uh, we somehow I had purchased tickets, expensive tickets. Wow. Uh, thinking we would go see Silverton for the day, when in actuality it takes you an hour out into some canyon, and it takes you back hour uh. back. So you see one side of, of the scenery, then you see the other side, okay of the scenery, um, so that that impacted our first day, being that we didn't actually go anywhere, right? Uh, we we came back where we started. So I drove us up to Silverton, which is if you've not seen it, Silverton is a
1: this s- is Colorado
0: sleepy little town in the mountains in Colorado. That's okay. all it exists in the tourist industry now. Okay, so it's all old westy. You can take a stagecoach ride. You can sure. do all this stuff. So we drove up, uh, we putted around Silverton, came back. A lot of people there? There were. Lots of people. But everybody's of, keeping their distance, masked up and all that? A lot of Mennonites. That was weird. Okay. You know what a Mennonite is? Um, it's oh, like I'm Amish. Sure. Okay. So you've got Amish people and they've got the beards and they don't have electricity and they live like it's 1800s. Right. It's part of their religion. Right. Mennonites are like Amish lights. So they dress very plainly. But they can have a car. Okay. So there were very plainly dressed people, guys but with But it's spears. a Ford Model T. No, no, no. You They do vans. Oh, so like the, you can. The, okay. They're very right. efficient. So. But there were a lot of Mennonites there, which surprised okay. me. I'm from Kansas there. We have large Mennonite communities in Kansas. Okay. Um, but yeah, lots of people there. Masked up. They were masked up. Yeah. yeah. Most places, um, you have to have masks. In Colorado, and the governor even closed all the bars the day before we showed up. Right, you couldn't sit at no, bars. No, you don't drink anyway. fifty so. percent of people in the the restaurants. Uh, so there was we had to wait, you know, forty five minutes. Sure. Before we got into a restaurant, then we drove from there to Arches National Park in Utah, Utah, which is only two and a half hour, three hour drive north. north. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. It looks like the Old West. Right, you know these giant rocks all over the place and sure. desert, and that was fun. But that was packed, absolutely overflowing at wow. Arches. Wow, which shocked me. Yeah, uh, and at Arches, nobody's practicing social distancing. Nobody's wearing a mask. People were barely. Well, they're wearing in the clothes. great
1: outdoors, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, except that when you're huddled together, you're still. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not spaced out. No, I get that globbed in together uh from there we went to moab that's right outside of of that was
1: mother of all something
0: yeah well, mother of all bombs yeah but it's also a town it's a town we okay it's a really good hamburger in that town
1: really it's the
0: best hamburger some of the no, best food we had no
1: brand names but they
0: got a great burger. yeah they got a great burger you'll know because it's the only burger place <laughs> um and <laughs> then we decided to go towards roswell you know the alien place, Ooh, yeah. Um, but we didn't do it's a, it's a long haul to Roswell, so we stopped in Gallup, New Mexico, mm-hmm. which I will never visit. Gallup, again. So I'm sorry, Gallup, I'm sorry, you're horrible. Wow. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, the whole town closes down at eight thirty. They had fireworks on the third of July because nobody wanted to work on a Saturday. Oh, that ain't right. No. So we had the third of July fireworks display. Hooray! Yeah um well we had them here on the fourth the cool thing about gallup though is that it's part of the route 66 experience okay so we took route 66 for as long as we could so we saw some of the crazy route 66 sure hotels and all that but let me tell you route 66 it's just a road yeah it is so you get out of the town and it's like A well, really famous you song about it yeah. you know yeah you can go 55 on route 66 so everybody's on the highway passing you going 80 <laughs> and you're just putting around, looking at nothing, going, "Well, this is worth my time." Yeah. Um. So we we got to Roswell. Roswell is a famous place for aliens,
1: right? Area uh, th- no area fifty one is, is Colorado.
0: In, no, it's in uh, Arizona. Arizona. Okay. So here's the weird thing. So the alien supposed air, alien crash site from 1947, mm-hmm. which I always thought was like right outside Roswell. Right. It's two and a half hours from roswell
3: oh
1: but that's the nearest town
0: uh yeah
1: yeah
0: and it, so it's middle the of roswell nowhere area, kind of thing yeah. absolutely middle of nowhere and it costs 65 bucks a person if you want to see the uh crash site wow we did not see the crash site yeah no um so we tooled around roswell and roswell's cool because they got everything's alien themed right there's little green men everywhere you can get your picture taken with cool um donut store is alien themed the golden arches place it's yes. shaped like a giant UFO. Okay. Uh, so that was fun, um, and then we headed home. Yeah. Wow. Uh, after that, so then the reason why we did this is is my wife is Japanese, mm-hmm. and I wanted her to see the American West.
1: So hard to do this time of year. It in is this pandemic season.
0: It's pandemic and in the summer. So yeah. Goodness, it was a heat. But as everyone keeps telling me, well, at least it was a dry heat. But yes, it was hot. Right. I was amazed because I had I had never made that loop before. I had driven to uh, L.A. from here. Right. But man, there's nothing. Like when when they say nothing, I mean there's like you get to there's some dry there's some shrubs and stuff out there, and then those go away. Right. And it's just dirt, just dirt, flat dirt, desert, All you right? Could, yeah, or dirt. Just just dirt. Wow. Red dirt as far as you can see in both directions as well, far as you can see in front of you and you're like oh who would want to live here
1: but compared to Japan when everybody's you know it's more it's more crowded let's mm-hmm. face it you know that's got to be an eye opener it had to be an eye opening for your wife well, to, you just know, to see
0: it the interesting thing about that cuz we discussed that yeah the first time she ever visited america um i took her to kansas where to meet my family and all that and right. so she saw the wide open plains of kansas she actually asked us to pull the car over at one point so she could just get out and look because it was the first time she had ever seen the horizon. Right. With no buildings or trees or anything, just as far as she could see. Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm looking at, "Wow, oh, this is amazing. Right. She's like, ah, it's old hat. <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that. Right. But, uh, so she wasn't taken by that as much, but she was taken by the, the scenery, uh, Arches National Park's absolutely beautiful. Be prepared. If you go out there, you got to hike. We were not prepared to hike. Right. Uh, you can do it without hiking, but we mostly did a driving tour of, of Arches. Sure. Um, and the, watching the scenery change through America, my God, America is so amazing no. with everything that you can see here, and you don't get that in any other place on the earth. No. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. Even when it was boring, there was, you know, something to see.
1: So your 4th of July break, week-long break. Mm-hmm.
0: 3rd of July in New Mexico. You, yeah,
1: but you, you know, got the patriotic spirit. We kindled, right?
0: Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Hey, nobody talked politics the whole time. There you go. That was It was great. There you go. Everybody was just mask up.
1: We're just glad to have you back. Oh, it's good to be back. You it's know? good
0: to be back at home.
1: And you know you can get back on the social media kick too.
0: Yay, social media! Yeah, I stayed away from it. My uh, my wife made me promise not to look at any social. So I did my best. Wow, well,
1: it just, was it, it was a tough week as we opened up the show, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's gonna. That's going to resonate for a long time. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah as, as well it should. It's such, not only is it a tragedy, but it's so odd. That is not the usual army thing by any right. stretch of the imagination having served. right, That it's so, uh, my wife and I were talking about it. It's, it's almost like it's from a TV show. You know what I mean? Right. Like this isn't real. This wouldn't happen. Uh, right. But it did <laughs> so, so bizarre and, and gut wrenching, uh, heart wrenching. Yep. It's awful. It's one of those things you wish you could go back in time and have some effect.
1: Yeah. As a father of a 20 something, mm-hmm. actually almost two twenty seven. The other one's 19. Um, I can't imagine the, uh, Guillen family, um, what they're going through. Uh, parents should never have to bury their children. No. And that is so sad. And I think uh, just for this show, I think we should uh, leave with our condolences and, and keep uh, listeners, keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Charlie, you want to take us out?
0: All right, well, I want to thank you all uh, for listening. Um, you don't know how much this entire experience has impacted Fort Hood as a whole. You don't get that looking on social media. You don't get that from reading articles. But if, if you're here on post, you, you get it. Um, and it's really hard to communicate that over a, a post on Facebook or a tweet or even sure. even on the podcast um, but and, and it angers me to no end when people mock this but our thoughts and prayers truly are with the family um, and that that means a lot because it's a lot of prayers yep a lot all right well we will see you next week. Um, and hopefully better better news.